Welcome back to another episode of the EQ UK Chat Podcast, the podcast where we tell inspiring stories to open the door to the horse world. This story is the story of Jenny Hunter and basically how she decided that she was just going to start a riding school and how she made that happen through honestly just sheer belief. So I really hope you'll enjoy listening to this one. If you don't already, please make sure that you follow EQUK on all relevant social media channels. So there is Instagram, Threads, which I always forget to update, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. I hope you enjoy listening to Jenny's story because I think this is a pretty cool one. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you want to start just by telling me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with horses? It's a long story, but I'm trying <laughs> to make it brief. <laughs> um, I owned a horse when I was a teenager. I was really lucky at the stage that I was at that I was already volunteering in a riding school, a really small local riding school. Lovely people. And I got the opportunity to own my own pony at that point. And luckily it was a Highland and he needed very little. <laughs> so, and also I was really fortunate. I was surrounded by knowledgeable people and my parents were great at communicating with them and finding out what we needed. So fast forward a bit, I sold him when I went to uni and I studied music. And then I realised that I actually, something happened when I was around horses that didn't happen when I played music. Mm -hmm. Music was a huge part of my life and still is, but there was something way deeper with horses. So I decided to just take a different direction from music and went to look for some volunteering work, some work experience, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And was just so fortunate to find a part-time position at App and Equestrian Centre. So my sort of, my real horsey career, if you like, really started at that point. And that was when I was in my 20s. And um, from then on, it just really was a case of this is, this is it. This is my love. This is my passion. Yeah. It was more than pushing the wheelbarrows because I knew I loved that side of things. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'll be content if I'm behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And actually I realised I've got this great love of people and this great love of people and horses and the mm -hmm. combination and teaching is just it just lights me up mm -hmm. so that became my focus and I thought how can I continue to do this and I always thought my job at Appen was my ultimate dream job mm -hmm. and then I had my daughter and I was like motherhood is my ultimate <laughs> dream job which sounds really cheesy but it was a real instant this is my priority mm -hmm. and the dream job that I thought was the dream job it's gonna have to take a back seat or it's gonna have to take a different form mm -hmm. so at that point knowing that I wanted to somehow find my way back to it but not sure how what shape it was going to take I thought the best chance I would have would be go freelance mm -hmm. and that's where sort of trying to get basically trying to get my head around all the qualifications needed for that yeah. um, and everything that I would need to get underway just in an independent way was that was sort of the direction that mm -hmm. things went from there. And what did you do when you kind of made that decision what was your process of like finding out how you would become qualified to be freelance? Well I think I was really very aware of the BHS, like British Source Society obviously has been around for years yeah. and it was actually through my job at Appen that I was really introduced to the stages mm -hmm. you know it was my boss that suggested that I sit you know stage one mm -hmm. and she really encouraged me and supported me to go to that very first starting block yeah and then from there I thought okay this is quite a clear process mm -hmm. but bizarrely from the time that I sat my first exam to when I came back to it after having my daughter, mm -hmm. 
things had changed quite a lot mm-hmm. in their setup. And it was really kind of looking at a very different process where you could you could go in and sit parts of exams, you could go on pathways, you know, you could specialise. Yeah. You know, there was actually a lot more going on that you could access. So yeah, it was just it was just trying to work out how yeah. best to do that. That's cool. And I guess from that point of being freelance what then made you want to start a riding school so that's two very different things it is and I think this is where when you really when I really think about it there were a few little seeds planted mm-hmm. quite a long time ago one was you're really good at teaching yeah you know this should be your thing and it wasn't just you're just good at teaching it was like you're really good with kids mm-hmm. and I thought well kids don't come to you for weekly riding lessons with their own horses no and kids with their own horses are doing their thing with their own horses. Yeah. But there are so many people, and I'm not just talking about kids now, but there are so many people that don't have their own horse. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder if there was a way that I could teach those, like help those people, teach those mm-hmm. people that didn't have their own horse yet and that mm-hmm. were looking to have their own horse or that even had their first horse, that kind of thing. Yeah. Knowing that how much I wanted to teach, but also realising that, yeah, people with their own horses don't necessarily, and you'll know yourself and mm-hmm. I know myself, you're not necessarily going to book like a lesson every week you kind of book a lesson as you need it or as you want to whereas in a riding school setting it occurred to me that those without their own horse they want access to the thing that they don't have 24 7 so they want to they want to commit to that they want to come and see the horse Mm -hmm. once a week Mm -hmm. and so I thought I wonder if this could be viable and it was really the seeds were planted of of yeah um Oh, you know, if you had your own riding school, I would come. You know, yeah. I know so many people that would like to come and have lessons with you. Yeah. And that's a real confidence boost. Yeah. And then it was one of my trainers who was like, And what do you think you'll go on to do? Maybe have a riding school? I said it so <laughs> flippantly. And I was just like, You make that sound like it's not a really big deal. Yeah. How could it possibly be that straightforward? Straightforward <laughs> enough for you to say it that's like that slickly. But it definitely was a seed. Yeah. And yeah, it just it sort of just grew, I guess, from there that kind of idea maybe one day if I did have a riding school yeah what would it look like how would it you know what would it see what would it be like yeah and I think it really came down a lot to the horse that I had as well like my dear little 26 year old pony Mm -hmm. who has now been in a riding school Mm -hmm. and I worked with him at Appen and he came with me when I had my daughter and we Mm -hmm. went into livery yards etc and I thought this little horse is as kind as they come. Yeah. And he likes people yeah. that he gets to teach. He likes, he likes that kind of, you can see he kind of enjoyed, he was yeah. patient enough to have somebody learn about him. Yeah. You know, and there was just something about that. The horse itself was telling me or saying, you know, here's an opportunity. If only I could do that. Yeah. Legally. (laughs) Because the real crux of it was I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't teach on my own horse. Yeah. And the more you look into that aspect of it, you think the only way you can is by having a riding school. Yeah. And everything that comes along with that. And there there it grew more. (laughs) That was was the seed that got planted. So I guess in a practical sense, how do you actually go about starting a riding school? So it turns out... Planning is a really useful thing mm-hmm. and I had a brief conversation before we started recording about how you just kind of make things happen a little yeah. bit. You know, you start to think about things, you put the ideas out there yeah. and before long you're doing something that's fairly practical and looking like it's going in the, the direction of this look like I'm planning to actually make yeah. this happen. Yeah, And it 
really was it really was a case of what do I need yeah and then what would I really need like what are the absolute finest details of what I need Mm -hmm. so I wrote it all down and I priced it all up how much would it cost Mm -hmm. could I possibly afford to start it yeah and I always remember my mum sitting next to me one night because she was a business teacher which was very useful useful. she's like right you know she could tell you what you need in a business plan off the top of her head yeah she's like you need your costing so your startups so we made this list and we got about halfway through it and she was like I can see why people don't start writing school (laughs) and I was like let's not lose faith just yet (laughs) so yeah so that was one thing just going through all the costings trying to think of every eventuality Mm -hmm. if I started from absolutely nothing what would I need yeah and it was pricing it all up yeah and thinking about the practicalities of the premises you Mm -hmm. know like the safety of it uh, the usefulness of it Mm -hmm. I had nothing like I had none of it I had no premises yeah and then it was like well what about the ponies and I almost thought the ponies are kind of the straightforward bit because I know the ponies like I know what kind of ponies would work yeah and I know that once they were in it would kind of be a bit more straightforward yeah it would it would happen yeah I, I don't know I think like if I'm if I'm thinking about how to start a ride school for me the biggest barrier is finding somewhere to actually have said riding school absolutely because you're right like you can find the ponies because you know what a good riding school pony is yeah. and you can find that and if you can't find it exactly you can make one yes. as long as you have the right sort of starting point yes. so how did you like actually go about finding somewhere to have I looked from January the 1st when I literally walked up to somebody door mm-hmm. and I said we met several months ago you chatted <laughs> to me about having land yeah and we chatted about the potential of having a riding school and you seemed interested I was like yeah. here I am I need premises yeah what say you <laughs> and he was like actually I don't have the time right now you know so it was yeah. a real sort of polite you know yeah this isn't gonna work yeah. and it was like okay well that was the first door closed and yeah. let's move on and it then went from just literally asking as many people that I thought might be connected to properties mm-hmm. that might have land attached you mm-hmm. know uh, livery yards any kind of grazing lets and it wasn't mm-hmm. until later in the summer that you know I'd been slogging at my business plan I was getting it really to the very last kind of details yeah. final edits I'd rewritten it the whole thing and mm-hmm. it was now much more like this is presentable yeah I'm gonna go out and get funding yeah and if I don't have land I'm gonna get funding and I'm gonna go and take my funds and I'm gonna find <laughs> land I'm gonna yeah. wave it in someone's face and say I've got the I've got this, I've got the money I've got the money <laughs> give me the chance you know yeah and it was pretty much the day I finished the plan and I got an email through and it was somebody that had said we've heard that you're looking for somewhere to start a riding school yeah would you like to come and see our facilities yeah and it was an estate that I had never heard of and it was in a part of the world that I drove past literally so many times yeah. in the years that I worked out in East Lothian and it turned out they had these unused facilities a riding wow. a riding arena sort of all-weather surfaced arena that catch a breath (laughs) that is the catch a breath it was like you really yeah and you know when you open the gate and you look in you go this can't be real because it's a beautiful arena yeah and then a row of stables that are over 25 years old but they've been made to last yeah and it was just sitting there unused unused and they wondered if I'd like to use it and it was just like this it was kind of one of those this can't quite be real yeah but anyway I did my absolute best to present 
what I had. Yeah. You know, the plan was there. It was ready. They looked at it. They said, mm-hmm. we like the look of this. And they wanted to make sure that what my ideas were would mm-hmm. suit what their ideas were. Yeah. You know, they, it was their, their home. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have the facilities, but they didn't want just anybody to come in. And they just withered about livery yards and having liveries and various things. But they just thought this might be a, a better option. Yeah. And it was really just planets aligning. Yeah, you know, just that I was there at that time and they were there at that time. So it was Some hugely, just meant to be. hugely fortunate. That's so the premises then went, that clicked into place. That yeah. was like the piece of the puzzle that almost needed put in place. And that's like your foundation, isn't it? Like Absolutely. you've got somewhere to start. So now you're just yeah. like, right now, what comes next? So I guess, how did you find your ponies after that? Well, for some reason, I, I guess with the momentum of the business plan and with my just sheer kind of thought Belief. process and <laughs> What was that? Belief. Belief, determination, whatever you want to call it. I'd already pinpointed a horse that I thought would be useful because mm-hmm. I thought I can't start a riding school with a 25 year old horse. As game as Dylan would be. I just don't think he would go yeah. by himself. No, I So agree. <laughs> it was definitely a priority to find somebody to share the burden. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah I, I had a horse for share for a few months thinking you know this will be the horse that ticks a lot of boxes yeah you know, she's capable of doing various things she's going to be an all-rounder mm-hmm. she's a bit on the bigger side so she can take taller riders you yeah. know I thought she's going to be really good but that fell through um sort of two-thirds of the way into the sort of summer so yeah. at that point I thought I'm going to wait and let the horse the next horse is going to come to me because it's you know it's hard going through something like that when you've put a lot of faith into you're putting a lot of faith and a lot of time into the potential of something yeah and you think I'm really investing in this because I yeah. want to make this work and then for the rug to be pulled from under your feet and you're now at zero again and it's yeah. like okay maybe I invested a bit too much in that so it's yeah. like okay I'm gonna let the next horse come to me I'm not gonna look on I'm not gonna look on the websites I'm not gonna look I'm not gonna look yeah I might have looked <laughs> I looked like that night <laughs> and then there was Hamish you uh-huh. know there was the horse that ended up going to buy and he was a fell cross and I was like well I love fells already got type. you know I got tight <laughs> and I thought I'm just gonna ring her I'm just gonna go and see him and as soon as I saw him in the stable I knew mm-hmm. he's the type he's exactly what I need he's so mm-hmm. quiet he's so calm and I hadn't even ridden him yet but I knew he was more woe than go and yeah. you know I knew that this was kind of more the type of horse that was gonna suit so yeah if, I thought if I've got I've got him in my corner I've got Dylan this yeah. is a good start yeah and then I was just so fortunate that a friend that I knew through training that I'd known for a few years she also had a fell and he was he was just needing a little job and I knew she was struggling to find the right person for him because he's just so enthusiastic when he's out on a hack so maybe for a smaller younger rider yeah he's a little bit on the strong side when he's out and about but yeah. an absolute diamond in the school like just an absolute amazing little horse in the school mm-hmm. and I thought wonder would he suit being a little schoolmaster for me you know and would you do you feel comfortable about him maybe having yeah. a little regular job and and actually you know the lovely owner Rona was just really supportive of it yeah and so I had my three I had a, a start team of three yeah it's like okay I think I can maybe do this now yeah and as all of that kind of happened because it was all yeah. a bit like I don't know if I'm gonna get this 
premises yet mm-hmm. but if I get everything else ready mm-hmm. and I just get started yeah I'll hit the ground running because I knew everything else should fall into place yeah and it did and it did <laughs> I mean it's such a cool story isn't it because is it or is it slightly horrifying no it's, it's <laughs> like, not horrifying I, I absolutely love it because what I think is so interesting about it is the fact that you did just sort of you put all of the work in you put a lot of trust into like just the fact that something would come along and I think that that's almost the best way to do it because so many people don't ever then take the action because they think I have to know exactly how everything's going to play out and the thing is things never play out exactly as you imagine you kind of have to clumsily fall into action don't you to make things and I think come to reality when you say that I did get to the point you know again it's all seemed to feel like the same week almost that I thought here's the end of the business plan here is me now ready to go out and seek funding Mm -hmm. but there's nothing in Middle Lothian there's nothing in East Lothian everything's accounted for absolutely every piece of land I have seen every single square inch of land in Middle Lothian and East Lothian and nothing exists and it it (laughs) felt like I could I was at the point where I would be looking at two acres of grazing light Mm -hmm. and I would be going I can make this work yeah. I just need to change what I'm wanting to do. I can make some, I can do, make this work on smaller ponies that will fit on this piece, piece of land. But the thing is, you don't even have a skill at that point. No, if but I can have a, a corner of a field if it's flat enough. I've got markers. Because Scotland's really well known for having really dry winters where <laughs> your field is definitely not going to instantly turn to mud. It's the faith. <laughs> this is it. It's the faith. So I started to think I'm probably going to have to go to the borders, you know, start yeah. to look at, you know, and then, then was the thought came the thought of like uprooting the family you know mm-hmm. how can I uproot the family for something that I don't know if it's sustainable I don't know yeah. if it's going to be successful yeah so it was really it was just an incredible bit of timing yeah that that the land in East Lothian came up so yeah, yeah. in fact it has a school the school is the the crux for me because when you think about starting a riding school building a school is so expensive and something that I just figured I would have to you yeah know, you'd have to fund for. somehow yeah I would fund yeah. it eventually maybe in a few years time again you know in reflection the shape of the riding school as it is now Mm -hmm. it all went as smoothly as it did because everything that was in place in that facility Mm -hmm. was was just ready to have just that small number of horses yeah to be managed as it is and the use of this the arena yeah so not overused you know not underused yeah everything was just sitting just at the right right level level yeah to use and it's just it shaped the business so much you know it's just it's made so much of the feel of the place you know which is exactly what I'd wanted you know I wanted it to be small and quiet and and peaceful and the um, environment just lends to that so well yeah totally and so like when you were starting out did you have like a like an ethos of how you wanted your riding school to be in mind did you have like a clear vision of that yeah I think I I wanted because I'm non-competitive like I'm I've never really I think I grew out of my non I grew out of my competitiveness quite early on (laughs) when I realized that I was just distinctly average at stuff (laughs) you know so I love sports and I loved playing anything like any team I wanted to be on it anything I wanted to do it just turned out I wasn't that athletic you know I'm just (laughs) not that good at it but I had the enthusiasm back yeah. of it and uh, yeah it just meant that I just eventually I thought you know what I don't I don't need to be winning stuff I just need to be having a good time and it really yeah. is that kind of you know you're taking part I'm okay with that yeah I'm happy to take part just don't expect me to win anything don't put the pressure <laughs> on me to win anything I'm good with that yeah so <laughs> almost like a self 
talk, low, low expectations. <laughs> anyway, I don't mean to sound uninspiring when I say that, but it, what it did was it built me a sort of very level-headed uh, approach to things. So mm-hmm. when it came to horses, mm-hmm. the love of the horse was always there. Yeah, and I realized that you know after trying a bit of showing and doing a bit here and there of whatever, it's like actually. I'm not getting a buzz from this. I'm not, I don't feel the need to go out and do this. I don't feel the need to prove myself in any way other than what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, so I thought I could actually use that because actually when I thought about when I was doing my qualifications, I, I kept thinking there is more to horses than competing. There's yeah, more that, to horses yeah. than being the best and being the eventer or being mm-hmm. the dressage, the person that's working up their levels in the dressage. I mean, all credit to these people because... Mm-hmm you're doing a wonderful thing but there's there's so many other people that are just they want to learn about their horse they want to treat it well they want to look after it well yeah and maybe I can support those people yeah and that was kind of where I thought I can kind of go in on at that level yeah I think grassroots I guess is how it's sometimes known just like yeah just a real sort of very low-key we're starting out here Mm -hmm. you know I'm introducing you to the world of horses yeah almost an introductory level yeah and the non-competitive side I wanted that to kind of filter through in the way that I taught Mm -hmm. in the way that people uh, treated the horses Mm -hmm. as well this this isn't down to the horse it's down to you yeah and just for for people to put the horses first yeah I wanted for anybody that came in especially you know, as you know, like horses draw the demographic of teenage girls, you know, mm-hmm. and there's an awful lot of social challenge. There are social challenges at that age. Yep. So I really was really certain about the fact that I'm going to be really clear about how people speak to each other, yeah. you know, how we treat each other, how we support each other, you know, yeah. all these things. And then working obviously closely with the parents as well mm-hmm. so that they understood it too. And it just meant that if I had a clear idea of what I was looking for, everybody then would understand it. Yeah. You know, it was quite plain to see kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. That's really cool because I think, yeah, like so often, especially when you're on livery yard or like even at riding schools, you see people that are just like, it's just all about like whether or not you came home with or was it. And in the grand scheme of things, that actually isn't what's important what's important is your relationship with your horse and how much you've grown together and what you've learned together and like that whole journey and I think so often that can get missed or forgotten about when you just focus on the competing yeah and you know I think there's a lot to be said for for being successful and competing totally you know as as an individual you are you're progressing you're making that amazing progression Mm -hmm. and you are going you're having a journey with with your horse you know and there's it's it's so special and it's so unique mm-hmm. you know and it's it's um takes a lot of discipline and a certain like mentality absolutely, absolutely. and mindset to yeah. achieve within that environment too definitely but equally it's just important to recognize that it's okay to not to not care about competing and to have that environment where it's like a wholesome space to just be like this is where we can grow yeah. and I think it's really cool as well like what you're saying is about sort of like the social aspect and yeah. using it as like a learning environment for that because yeah. that's just important like that's such a big part of being around horses too yeah I think again you know you'll you'll know this from when you had your you know um new pair of boots or your new jumpers yeah and you feel great yeah doesn't make you a better rider and you know at the moment we're in a difficult environment of social media Mm -hmm. and influences from other people Mm -hmm. and from companies Mm -hmm. really taking a kind of hold of that yeah and then and then making it about how you look yeah and making it about how the horse looks yeah it's like okay well 
I'm not really into that, so I'm not really going to support that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sure. <laughs> You're like, I don't see myself in this, but I'm I'm over here doing my own thing. Yeah, but which I is mean, just as valid. If you're having a good time doing what you're doing and you feel good because you're looking the part, then good all, for you. Yeah, good for you because I think in a way it is going to bolster their confidence. Yeah, that's what makes them good. They yeah. feel good. Yeah, you know. So I think to what I was hoping to instill or mm-hmm. to kind of portray. Mm-hmm was that that, that's nothing to do with the horse no you know so I want this to be the focus the focus is the relationships and the horses and the health of the horse and yeah you know are they happy Mm -hmm. what did they just tell you when you walked in the stable or yeah you know did you notice the ears go like move there or you know even putting a saddle on yeah have you done that slowly enough did they know that that was coming mm-hmm. you know and these things that you know um, somebody that says I can tack up a horse great go and tack up that horse mm-hmm. and then stop stop tacking up the horse <laughs> let me just go over this with you yeah just little things like that and you're just broadening somebody's sort of view of something or understanding yeah. of something and suddenly it's become more about the horse in front of you so yeah I like that what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced when you were getting started but also yeah what was what was the biggest challenge that you had in this whole process well we've touched on premises (laughs) and there was definitely the premises the ponies the money aspect but I think we've kind of realized that that all happened um but actually going into the setting up stage of Mm -hmm. it again kind of having a a really clear idea of what I needed Mm -hmm. but the challenges then came with I guess making it happen so you can send the email you can make the phone call Mm -hmm. it's the person at the other end doing their feeling the urgency that you are possibly not so you know maybe chasing people up Mm -hmm. just or not chasing people up but just keeping on top of yeah you know following things up that were necessary getting everything in place making sure that I had all the necessary legal things in place because I think from the start I always wanted it to be absolutely above board above board watertight just you know this is fully licensed just peace of mind for you as well absolutely and also you know what a nice thing to be able to say to somebody who's not sure about where to go to ride yeah you could come here I'm licensed I'm insured yeah qualified yeah you know and I I think because I had that from the outset it helped me then get everything in place that was needed Mm -hmm. um so challenges wise, I think just having that all done in in a short space of time because yeah. I needed to get up and running. Yeah. Because I'd spent a lot of money <laughs> and I needed to get some money back. Yeah. You know, it was that kind of thing. Yeah. It was like if I'm gonna make it work, I need to make it work now. The yeah. ponies are here, the premises are here, now I've just got to start the thing. Yeah. And some of that's out of your control. Yeah. So that was probably difficult. Yeah. And then I was going into winter, so I started on the 1st of November. I remember that because I remember thinking, I was like, oh, she's starting a riding school at the start of winter. Yeah. So that's that's difficult. So on one hand, you could think, <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. But on the other hand, as I think of it, you think of it as a in an optimistic way, if I can make it through the <laughs> if winter. If you can make it through winter, you can make it through anything. I can make it through anything. It's so true. It really was. And funnily enough, I started my job at Appen in November as well. So I feel like this is the time of year for things to happen for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I am an autumn winter kind of, kind of girl. <laughs> so yeah, I think, again, it was just, you, we didn't know, what, you never know what kind of winter it's going to be. Sure. And I thought, what's the surface going to do on the arena? Yeah. I've never seen it through a winter. Yeah. But actually, you know, it was really, I could count on one hand how many days I had to cancel for the weather, for example. That's really lucky. And the, the surface on the arena happens to be super good quality and drained so well. Incredible. The field drained because we're on a hill yeah. and the horses stayed 
so clean and it was just so nice you know just from a horse person's perspective this is incredible I know <laughs> I can't even explain this is why I said you should come visit because I can't even really put into words just how amazing it is you know so when you ask about challenges the challenges are a very kind of almost the boring practical thing the yeah hours spent putting risk assessments together for mm. every step of a person's journey from the car park to a horse's that stable. That's challenging. You know, these things <laughs> that, but, you know, in a realistic sense as well, the challenges of managing your time, you know, yeah. I've got a family and I don't want to, if I didn't have my daughter and my husband at home, yeah, I wouldn't leave the place. Like, yeah. I would just be there all the time. Yeah. And to get that balance, I'm still trying to find it. Sure. But really early on, I knew this was going to be one of the biggest challenges. So yeah. trying to get, trying to get that right kind of harmony for everything but yeah obviously coming back to the horses as well the challenges of making sure that they were in good condition that they were going to be regularly trained that Mm -hmm. I was going to be able to find time for that and I think what was really interesting I spoke to so many people that had riding schools or that that had involvement in them Mm -hmm. and a girl said to me um somebody asked when do I ride and she said I I don't really do that much riding. Yeah. I'm teaching all the time. Yeah. And it's only really over the summer or ever since the start, I wanted to be in the saddle on every mm-hmm. horse several times a week, making sure they were happy, getting yeah. a, a, a variation in their work. And, yeah. you know, that they were thriving as best as I could help them to. Mm-hmm. And that they weren't just going through a regular rigmarole of, this is another lesson, this is another lesson, because I wanted to not be that. I yeah. didn't want any of that for the horses. Yeah. You know, that is not what the, that's not the riding school I wanted. I wanted the horses to have personality. I wanted mm-hmm. them to, to, you know, to maintain that and mm-hmm. to maintain their health. If anything, having a senior horse mm-hmm. teaches you how important their health is, you know, their yeah. flexibility. Yeah. Um, how that can then have that really great knock-on effect that they're physically healthy, they're mentally healthy, yeah. they're still cheeky and barging at stables, <laughs> but you know, they're that's their personality. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, all of those things considered, making sure that they were going to get what they needed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think as well, it's like when you say senior horse, like it is a case of use it or lose it. So you do just know that you have to keep on top of them in like little ways, but like really consistent ways all the time to keep them able to do the thing for you that you need them to do um what do you enjoy most about running riding school or what do you find the most rewarding thing there are so many things that on a daily basis are rewarding and enjoyable Mm -hmm. just the simple fact that everything comes back to me Mm -hmm. so as a control freak (laughs) that works really well for me (laughs) self-confessed self-confessed anybody that is learning with me or helping out with me or anything like that mm-hmm. when you watch how somebody learns something mm-hmm. or they start to gain confidence from the knowledge they've got from you mm-hmm. and they then say can I go and do that can I go and try that mm-hmm. will you tell me if I've done it right yeah and then the next time they do it they don't come so quickly to say can you check this because they've got the confidence that they've got it pretty much right you're yeah. just doing the final checks yeah that kind of watching people grow in that kind of confidence is hugely rewarding and that's even before 
they're in the saddle you know so when you're then teaching somebody and they're starting to learn how to keep a horse going and they're mm-hmm. you know they're riding it for themselves and you don't need to put quite so much effort and input into every step of everything that they're doing because they're starting to get an a feel for what they're doing for themselves mm-hmm. and everybody that I'm teaching they're of a, a novice level you know nobody anybody that's riding above that level they've gone to get their own horse yeah you know what I mean so there's very much a, a level that I'm teaching from and to yeah that span for an individual between the starting point and the point that they're going to go I'm ready for my own horse you know yeah. there's a huge huge Excellent. And it takes everyone Space a different there. amount of time as well Absolutely. to like get to that point. And not everyone does. Like some people are quite happy staying like at, at, the, at that sort of level of commitment with horses. Definitely. So I guess it's important as well that you're able to kind of like provide that space for whatever it is that people need. Exactly. Do you think over the next years, do you think that you're going to expand or are you like quite happy with the kind of, you've got seven ponies, don't you? Seven just now. And do you think like that's quite a nice like level to stay at? It is. And again, I kind of come back to the facilities, the setup that I've got, Mm -hmm. a row of six boxes Mm -hmm. and a little yard. And there are other stables that have been there for years as well, Mm -hmm. but they're now used for different things. Yeah. So there's, and there's land to potentially put other stables on, for example, Mm -hmm. but there's something really sort of um, reassuring about the fact that I can cope with this number of horses. Yeah. And I can cope well, you know, as in health wise. Yeah. Um, If I can manage that number of horses myself and I can keep on top of their training, their fitness, their health, et cetera. Yeah. Then for me that, and if it's sustainable at that number, Mm -hmm. then I don't see there's a need to grow. Sure. Um, And that's not for lack of ambition. That is just for sort of a realistic measure of what my desires are for my business, you know. Yeah. Um, and I always thought of that when I went into it. I thought, I don't want this to keep growing because the more people I speak to, that's when the problems start. Yeah. You've got health issues coming in yeah. with horses. You've got feeding prices going up, you know, yeah. like supplying the hay and the straw, like even after COVID or even during COVID, like you'd have heard how many riding schools yeah. got into trouble or hit trouble because they were relying on outside sources of forage and yep. you know I thought right so what happens if that happens again you know yeah. how do I survive and yeah. it's like well I need to keep it small yeah so that if it does happen it's sustainable it's sustainable and it's not going to unravel yeah that makes sense um and the ponies that you have do you like do you plan on keeping them all or would you like plan on selling them like what what is your vision like would you want a pony for example to be with you forever or do you kind of like the idea of them kind of doing a job for a few years and moving on I think that's really down to the individual mm. pony yeah um and I think I've got to accept that for me it is part of my family yeah you know? like it is gonna be the thing that I wake up thinking about the thing that I lose sleep over you know <laughs> it's it's taken up a lot of my heart and time and yeah that's just the way that I'm wired and yeah you, you know you'll you'll realize that some people are wired, wired like that some people aren't yeah and then um, it means that when a horse comes into the team as soon as they're in the yard I'm treating them like my own yeah whether they are or they're not yeah yeah I think yeah just having that yeah no it's just it's just it's interesting because every riding school does it differently and I think what you've said is completely right like it is just what's right for the horse because you'll know yourself like if you meet one and for they're happy for a few years doing it but then after we bail you can see that they're maybe getting a wee bit bored or a bit jaded and you're like exactly. it's time for you to move on and that's totally fine because like 
they're like people like it's okay to move on from a job when it's no longer right for you and I guess it's just important being able to recognize that in your horse and kind of doing the right thing for them yeah so I think I don't know if it's an open door policy as such but you know (laughs) there is a case of I'm not relying on each individual horse for a great length of time you know I don't I don't need them to love it if they're not loving it what I'll do is I'll try and adapt what what I'm asking them to do yeah so that they're enjoying it more yeah you know or getting the best from them like that to me is my responsibility if I can if I can get if I can find what makes them really happy Mm -hmm. and make sure that they get enough of that then hopefully when they're asked to do a couple of lessons that they're maybe not loving as much as the next pony you know it's maybe enough that they can go well that's okay I can cope with this part of the week because I Mm -hmm. get to go and do that at the other part of the week so for me that's down to me to make sure that they get what they need yeah and they get what fulfills them yeah on a happiness level (laughs) well-being level yeah that's lovely so the last question that everyone gets asked how have horses changed your life I said this to my daughter when you wrote it to me and she was like that's a huge question I was like you're right it is a huge question and I think she's gonna be seven on Saturday and seven and this is like why it's quite nice because seven is the age that I first rode a pony so on my seventh birthday I went for a ride yeah uh, through the woods with a nice lady and on a lead rein on a grey highland pony called Tamara (laughs) it's imprinted in my brain (laughs) and I I, she taught me how to do rising trot and you know it was just that was the beginning I guess and now rain is going to be seven and how have horses changed my life and it's like well they've always been part of my life yeah and when they're that deep rooted I sort of feel like there's not a change as such it's like you're growing they build you yeah you're growing with them or they're growing with you or it's it's part of your fabric and yeah it's so deep like it it's when you recognize that that love is is it's so so much deeper than any other connection yeah possibly other than motherhood (laughs) just putting that out there but there's such a deep connection that it's unexplainable yeah like it's at your core yeah yeah so there isn't so much of a change Mm -hmm. because what you choose to do with the the horse is part of your life is how you grow yeah so it just so happened that I decided to try and make it a career yeah because because you recognize that was the thing that brought you the most fulfillment and I think it's like so many people and I'm kind of the same like so many people kind of start off with horses in their teenage years and then kind of they're like I'm gonna go and do something else but it's literally like it you just always end up coming back I remember like I was an hour into my my first job that wasn't with horses I was an hour into my first shift at Ikea and I was like this is absolutely horrific I need to be back with horses (laughs) and it does just it just pulls you back in doesn't it like it just in you is imprinted and I feel like if you're fortunate enough to have the support to be able to yeah seek that Mm -hmm. I, I think recognizing that you've got good people around you and that you know and I recognize I'm I'm very fortunate my family's super supportive Mm -hmm. they knew I was likely to not bring in a wage for a year (laughs) or so because I was like I'm gonna go and get work experience I'm not looking for a wage yeah I was just fortunate that I managed to get part-time work that led to full-time work so yeah you know you were supported to do that I was yeah I think it's having the belief you know going back to kind of having the belief that if this is something that really means something to you yeah then you kind of want to try and find a way of making it happen. Yeah. And when I went to do my qualifications to be freelance, mm-hmm. I'd ha- I had my daughter at that point and I thought, 
I want her to know that if she's got something she really cares about and that she really is passionate about, mm-hmm. she can make that her thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll take hard work. Yeah. And it'll take time, but she can go for that. Yeah. You know, there are no closed doors here. You can you can yeah. go ahead and, and go for that, whether it's a dream or whether it's just something that, you know, you love so much. Yeah. You know, I want that to be a possibility for her. Yeah. And I hope that that then has a knock on effect to her children and yeah. just anybody that's connected yeah that's really it's just that's the sort of the ethos that you want to share and and to live by yeah yeah that makes total sense but it all started with the horses yeah you know so it's sort of for me that's where it comes back to that love of the horse yeah so that's what's at the heart of everything that you do totally yeah Uh, yeah I think like I've spoken about it with people before but it is something that can be it's so hard to articulate unless you've experienced something like that yourself but it's the common theme that sort of runs through all of these conversations that I'm having is it's like this almost unexplainable thing this feeling that all of us just seem to be addicted to yeah (laughs) and we just keep coming back for more before we finish up is there anything that we've not spoken about that you wanted to to talk about or um I think well we've probably talked about the access you know having access to horses and Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we seem to share that kind of desire to make horses in the horse world accessible yeah and when we're talking about having this connection or this mm-hmm. feeling that this is what you want to do or this is you want to try and find your way mm-hmm. to horses, I think, I guess just there are ways, there are people that can help you and try yeah. not to be put off at the first hurdle. You know, just if you were looking to have experience with horses, there will always be somebody. Yeah. If you, it's just asking, it's networking, it's finding totally. the people that are there. And I'd, I'd like to think that I can offer those opportunities to people yeah you know and that's again kind of going back to one of the reasons that I wanted to to share my horse I wanted yeah. to share that experience totally. and share that so yeah just I guess touching on that that aspect of things that it's making it more accessible yeah you know? yes it's it's it takes a lot of dedication it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money mm-hmm. but there are avenues especially yeah. now so much so many more avenues I would say and yeah it's just finding your way in finding the one that's right for you yeah and I guess when a door is closed just accepting that if a door was closed to you there was nothing behind it for you in the first place so there's something better out there for you and if it's really something that you really care about and it might not even be horses but you know anything that you really really care about it's like just taking one step and then another step and just keep going yeah just try and keep going towards it yeah even if you don't know the direction you're going and keep walking towards the thing that you want to find because eventually you'll find your way there the only way you won't find it is if you stop or you yeah don't yes or turn back because it's it's sad to think of people that go oh I would have I would have loved that Mm -hmm. but I couldn't do it or I didn't find the way into it or that kind of thing and that's there's lots of reasons that can happen to someone but I think you're right like it's important to sort of facilitate wherever possible someone getting access to the thing that they care about if there's a way that you can do it yourself on the point of like providing access and opportunity do you think that since covid it's been harder like from like a legal and practical standpoint to bring people in because you you kind of set up like in the middle of the pandemic didn't you I was I was actually at the end yeah it was pretty much we were pretty much clear um, of the pandemic actually so I maybe started the planning process 
Christmas the year before, just yeah. at the end of it but it sounds like it sounds like riding schools are closing yeah so from that point of view I feel like the odds are stacked against me a wee bit yeah but then I guess there are so many different models of riding school you know there are yeah. so many different ways of running them yep um, so many reasons as we've maybe touched on already about you know the kind of the supply the numbers mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing there'll be so many reasons that these places are having to close their mm-hmm. doors you know the insurance as you mentioned yeah. you know that kind of thing it was actually a lady who has a, a, the tiniest riding school in the world um, Bart's Banks mm-hmm. and lovely lovely lady that runs it with her daughter Mm -hmm. and she was one of the most inspiring people that I spoke to and she really reassured me that you know actually yes you could see these as barriers these Mm -hmm. expenses these costs but it's almost like there's such a demand for the opportunity to write yep so if you can get past these little barriers and you can then open your door to Mm -hmm. have these people come to write it's almost like that becomes it becomes a manageable barrier you know it's like okay so that was yeah that's like a hefty expense or that's a hefty kind of thing to consider but when we then move through the rest of the year it sort of fiddles out into sort of fades away a wee bit yeah until the next year when you (laughs) face it all again that's a you know that's a good way of looking at it because it's so true like there are so many people that do want to ride and like you'll always find them there's always there's always people that you come come across like even at work they find out that I'm horsey and they're just like oh like how how do you go about doing that because if someone's not horsey they have no idea how to get into horses and yeah so I think what you're doing is so important because it is just kind of providing like you're opening the gate and being like come in we'll we'll do this from the ground up because it can be a really intimidating place to go into if you're not horsey at all and I kind of feel for parents that maybe have this horse mad like child at home and they're like I really want a pony and the parents just stood there and they're like oh I I can't go into that world because it's elitist I am scared to go into that world because I don't identify with it at all and it can be really intimidating yeah and I can definitely remember feeling that way my mum and dad were like we're not horsey we don't know what we're doing if you want a pony you can go and do it yourself I think it's important to kind of have someone that is going to be like we'll explain this absolutely idiot proof it like make it no such thing as a stupid question explain it all even things like hat standards basic stuff like that can be a barrier someone like goes to the wrong shop and buys a hat that's like not legal and yeah (laughs) you're rolling your eyes because you're like I've definitely had that (laughs) and it's yeah and it's, it's basic stuff like that like if if you don't have someone that is kind of providing that space to ask the questions and to open the door, then it is a really inaccessible sport. And that's why it's important to have people like you in it doing what it is you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on today. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure. Thanks for chatting. As I was recording that with Jenny, I remember thinking, I have definitely just listened to a story about how someone essentially manifests a riding school. I just can't believe that she found the premises that she did. And it all, obviously she did an insane amount of hard work to get there. Just the way that it all came together, I think it is very symptomatic of what can happen when you follow your gut, follow your heart, and you just trust that things will work out if you keep putting one foot in front of the other going in the direction that you need to travel in you will eventually reach your destination you don't actually have to know exactly how you're going to get there but as long as you don't give up and you keep you know traveling towards the thing that you want you will eventually find it and I think that is the moral of Jenny's story Jenny is someone who definitely knows her heart knows 
what she loves, knows what she is good at, knows what lights her up inside. And she said, I'm going to go after that. And I think that's essentially what life is all about, isn't it? Like you've just, you've got to follow that feeling because if you don't, then you're never going to be truly fulfilled in life. Again, another big moral message for the end of an episode. If you're enjoying these, please make sure that you give it a rating and you download the episode. I hate self-promotion so much. It actually pains me. EQUK is a community interest company which is going to be delivering a directory of education opportunities within the horse world and reinvesting its profits into widening access to equestrian sport, equestrian qualifications, the equestrian industry as a whole, supporting people to follow their dreams essentially with horses, provide a network of opportunities and provide a safety net. I think something that Jenny was saying, which we spoke about actually after we stopped recording, was you know how lucky she was to have been supported by her family in order to follow her dreams essentially and so often that's what's needed you know you see it in all walks of life you hear you hear stories about you know people that have been able to get re-internships that have been able to go and then get a really really well-paying job but because they were able to be supported to work somewhere for free that was what gave them the opportunity in order to follow the thing that lights you up you sometimes have to make really big sacrifices but in order to make those sacrifices you have to be supported to do it and that is what the horse world asks of us a lot of the time it asks for a lot of sacrifices to be made not everyone can make those sacrifices and it's not because those people don't want to make those sacrifices it's because they physically can't because they have caring responsibilities they have bills to pay of their own they have to be able to feed themselves and survive you know there's so many complex reasons that someone can't follow the thing that is their dream that is their passion and I believe that we lose a lot of knowledge and dedication within this industry as a result of that I think something that I want EQK to be able to do is to support people who need to make sacrifices but perhaps without a safety net they wouldn't be able to and I want EQK to be part of that safety net for people that's the dream I would like to be able to offer a service that people can reach out to and ask for help i'm waffling an awful lot now i hope you enjoyed jenny's story i think that it's a really really cool one so i hope that you enjoyed today learning exactly how to build a riding skill thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next time